0: Well, the College Football Playoff Committee just released the first rankings of the season. There were definitely some surprises, some not-so-surprising things, and I'm going to get into some conspiracy talk. Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts! And five, the national championship on the line, got the big man. I think no- They won't catch him, I don't believe. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! He's going for the corner. He's got it. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis, it's caught! It's caught! It's caught! Oh, is man. that a good game or what? What is going on, everybody? Well, Georgia's number one. No surprise there. Um, the college football playoff rankings just came out, and I didn't even start this as quickly as I was going to because a couple of things happened. One, I was very happy that I was anticipating these rankings a lot. Like, I was sitting there excited who's going to be ranked where it, it was all in my mind like i don't can't remember being this like excited and or on edge about the initial playoff rankings probably since the very first year in 2014 when they came out so that's really cool that means that multiple teams are alive that means that there's not clear separation other than you know probably Georgia um and you could have made really good arguments for 2 through 12 right? Number one through number 12 are all undefeated in one loss teams. And there's plenty of one loss teams above undefeated teams. So that shows you that this one loss undefeated, like, they're all very similarly wound in there. And the combinations could have been endless in, in a lot of ways. And you kind of had ideas what was going to happen. Let me just start off with what is not surprising to me. And what I really don't care about that much And this is going to be controversial because I feel like this is... There there were two things that I think were very surprising and or controversial to people. One of them I think is a huge deal. The other one I think doesn't matter. And let me just apologize in advance to group of five fans. Cincinnati being number six is not that surprising to me. I really didn't think there was any way they were going to be in the top four. I thought maybe they could be four or five. Again, not that it would matter if they were in the top four, because I've given you example after example, if you listen to this show, of teams being ranked in one spot one week, they don't even lose, they might even win, right, CTCU in 2014, who was number three going into the last week of the season, when they won 55 to like 20 against somebody, I'm forgetting who it was, and then The next week they go from three to six after the Conference Championships are played. And it's not that they didn't play that week, they did. So even if Cincinnati did get in the top four this time, it's that doesn't mean, oh, you know, they it's theirs to lose. No, not at all. It means that after Conference Championship week, a bunch of one-loss teams were gonna jump them. So I'm not worried about that. Also I'm not a big group of five fan. Like I, it, When it comes to the power five, I believe you got to treat them very similarly. And I don't care that this team has one loss but is in a tougher conference. I like to give the edge to the better record when it comes to the power five teams. With the group of five teams, it's not that I'm opposed to putting a group of five team in the college football playoff or even the BCS championship back in the day. But I do believe you can totally dissect a group of five schedule. And even in the year like this where they actually have a decent win over somebody, I've made the argument many times like what you do down the stretch, what your schedule is, that matters to me. And by the way, Wake Forest has a tougher schedule than Cincinnati. Um, I'll get to that later. It's only by one spot. Um, But basically what I'm saying is the group. there is a difference between group of five. Cincinnati's strength of schedule, even with the Notre Dame game, is like, I think they said 96 or 97, maybe 98. It's somewhere in the 90s after 95, okay? So it's in, there's only like 120-something teams. So that means there's a lot of even other group of five schools that are higher on the strength of schedule than Cincinnati. That's pretty incredible to me. Right when you're comparing, think about how much they talk about strength of schedule when they're comparing like an SEC team to an ACC team or Pac-12 team. That that's a huge deal. Well, if it's a huge deal there, it's got to be an incredibly big deal, borderline deal breaker here. So again, I'm not. And Cincinnati was not disrespected. No other group of five team has ever finished or started, excuse me, this high in the initial college football rankings. They are number six. UCF finished 12th when they went undefeated in 2017. They finished 8th in 2018, okay? It's never happened like this before. So they are in the best starting position that any group of five school has ever been in the initial college football rankings. And I don't have a problem with... Guys, college football, barely power five teams have diversity in who makes the playoff and stuff. The college football playoff, hell, even the New Year's six bowl games, they're not really for the group of five schools. I don't even like the idea that we give an automatic bid to a group of five school. I think that the group of five schools should have to be ranked in the top 10 or 12 to be in that group, that's. Group uh, New Year's 6 game, right? There's 6 games, that means you got 12 teams It should basically be the top 12 teams I, just, No different than I don't agree with the fact that Utah's protected projected to go to the Rose Bowl They're going to take a spot from a top 12 team Because stupid Rose Bowl, Big 10, Pac-12 thing Dumb, dumb, okay? This isn't the 19... 19- 60s with this weird tradition with the bulls and i've bitched about the rose bowl a lot and how they're holding up the playoff expansion and a lot of other things i'm not going to get into that now but the college football playoff the new Year's six is really not a place for group of five schools i'm fine with that to me power five and group of five have always been two completely different leagues of football i mean it it, it just is. I don't understand why there's all these people like, oh, this just proves that the group of five doesn't have a chance, which is bullshit. Excuse my language, but why, first of all, why is that BS? And two, yeah, the group of five doesn't really have a shot unless they do something crazy. You'd have to, one, you obviously have to be undefeated. Duh. No you know what? Obviously, you got to be undefeated. And you have to have some scheduling luck. And even then, you don't control your own destiny. I would take any Power 5 conference champion with one loss or less, obviously, over an undefeated group of five team. No questions asked. No questions asked. I would put 12-1 and Wake Forest in the college football playoff over undefeated Cincinnati. That's just me. So, I don't know why everyone's acting surprised. I don't know why people really care. Like, unless you are a fan of a group of five school and that's like where all your, you put all your investment and you love that team and you, I understand why you personally want to see them in college football fans. Like it's hard to become a bigger college football nerd than I am. And I'm a huge fan of diversity when it comes to who's winning championships. And I'm sick and tired as everyone is the same teams going to the playoff and winning the championship. I get that, but it doesn't matter to me at all whether the group of five teams get in. Now, if I think they actually deserved it, I would put them in. You know, if I would take an undefeated Cincinnati over two lost conference champions. So in years where teams are beating themselves up, I have no problem with them getting in if they deserve it. But we've really yet to see that. I mean, the best year, the best opportunity that we'll probably ever get to put a group of five team in the playoff was 2017 UCF, okay? Because... Alabama, who got that fourth spot, they didn't even win their conference. Or, or Sorry, they didn't even win their division or their conference. They were 11-1, didn't even play in conference championship week. You had the perfect opportunity to do it then. And make the claim that conference championships matter. Sorry, Bama. You can't lose your last game and then go into the playoff, regardless of if you're on paper, according to Vegas, one of the better teams. Sorry. But Like I said, UCF finished 12th that year. They were number 12 going into the bowl game against Auburn. So let me just get all that out of the way. Don't care about the Cincinnati stuff. Cincinnati could have been number three or four. Okay, I wouldn't have cared. They could have been under Baylor at 13, which make no mistake, without that Notre Dame win and without the preseason hype, that's exactly where they probably would be. Forget forget the, like, even with the Notre Dame win, without the preseason hype, that's probably where they would be. Or maybe they'd be at nine, right above Notre Dame at 10, or, or whatever. And my apologies, I'm assuming everybody knows the rankings, but I guess for those who don't, let's just let's go through them. Georgia is one, 8-0. Alabama, number two, 7-1. Michigan State, number three, 8-0. Oregon, number four, 7-1. Ohio State, five, at 7-1. Cincinnati at 8-0 came in at 6, Michigan 7-1 came in at 7, Oklahoma 9-0 came in at 8, Wake Forest 8-0 at 9, Notre Dame 7-1 at 10, Oklahoma State 7-1 at 11, and Baylor 7-1 at 12. And I think right there is where you cap all the teams that sort of control their own destiny right remember this is college football no one really controls their own destiny just given the fact that there's only four spots and there's five power conferences plus the group of five scenario so before the season starts right there could be five or six undefeated teams technically only four of them could get in but what we've seen and if you listen to me i've gone through all the years whether it was the bcs era and how the rankings worked then or all of the years of the college football playoff and how things have shaken out one-loss conference champions are a lock for the playoff. The only teams that can knock them out so far that we've seen are other one-loss or undefeated conference champions. Therefore, you finish as a one-loss conference champion, especially in the era where all these conferences have championship games. If you do that, you have a very realistic shot. So that's why Oklahoma State and Baylor at 7-1, and one, if they win out, and they are 12-1 Big 12 champions, very good chance they get in, right? Wake Forest, they go undefeated or even get a loss, 12-1 and ACC champ. Now, they're probably the last one-loss champ that could get in, right? If it came down to five one-loss champions in the Power Five, Wake Forest probably isn't beating out the other four due to their strength of schedule. And if they had a loss, in that case, Cincinnati even might be able to jump them. But like I told you, Wake Forest has a better strength of schedule, only by a couple knots, than Cincinnati. So undefeated Wake Forest has to go in over Cincinnati, I would think. And undefeated Wake Forest, I think, even has to go in over any other one-loss team. Undefeated conference champions do not get left out. See Florida State 2014. See... See Clemson, and it is a little different, unfortunately, when the team isn't as sexy of a brand, right, when it's not Florida State, it's not, you know, whoever, but that's why I'm not worried about Oklahoma, right, being at number eight. If Oklahoma wins out, they're going, they're going. Doesn't matter what's in front of them. There's there's not enough undefeated teams above Oklahoma for Oklahoma to get left out if they go undefeated. Okay, so let me talk about the, the next big surprise. And in a way, it's not surprising, but it is, but it isn't. It's just, it, it's so weird. And that's Alabama being at number two, right? It's not surprising in the standpoint that I know a lot of people feel like they're the second best team right now. And that is, I don't have a problem with that argument. But I think a lot of people didn't think the committee would actually put them at two right now for the same reason that if you watch the espn show just an hour ago they were telling you don't panic right don't panic that alabama's two it's all gonna play itself out right if alabama wins out even if alabama was ranked number 10 right now or seven if they win out they would be going either way, right? May, you could say same thing right now about, like I said, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon. These are all teams with one loss that hypothetically they went out, they would be in. So don't panic in that sense, and, and they're right. But that's also why I'm surprised that they put them at number two because why not let that happen? Why not just put them below, at least below Michigan State, right? maybe you can make an argument they're the best one-loss team but at this point in the season i mean guys it's november we're not talking about some 4 and 0 teams some 5 and 0 teams versus some 4 and 1 5 and 1 teams we're talking about it's november second okay teams have played 8 games 9 games in some cases oklahoma is 9 and 0 at a certain point and again this only applies to power 5 teams not Cincinnati. But at a certain point, I don't care what you're looking like every week. Winning is the most important thing. Winning. That's why we have a schedule. That's why we play games. In any sport, winning matters the most, okay? And if you share a league with a bunch of teams, a bunch of conferences, and you're on the same football league together, right, aka the Power Five, Yes, we know not all conferences are created equally. When you really break it down, you could say the same about the NFL, you could say the same about the NBA, Major League Baseball, every division, every conference, they're not all created equal. But when you're in the same league, you get treated the same for what you your record is. In every other sport, it's pretty easy. What's the, Who has the best record? Okay, we have a tied record. Now we go to these tiebreakers, hmm, and you want to bring up all these other stats, strength of schedule, strength of record, resume, game control that they made up in 2014 right all these other things bring that into it but i would i would personally have michigan state or oklahoma number two and three okay and then maybe if you think alabama is the best one loss team between bama oregon ohio state michigan maybe that's where you put them right but i I mean it's tough and the Wake Forest one, I can see why they're eight right now, but just like they said about Alabama, like if, if Wake Forest wins out or Oklahoma wins out, they're right back in the mix of things. So it just here's what it just didn't make sense to me, right? To see them there. And normally you see them do the thing where, okay, Alabama already lost. They're going to be at 4, 5 or 6, 7 somewhere in there and let them play their way back in. Let them play their way back into it, right? So let me I'm just gonna cut to the chase. I was gonna save this for the very end, but here's my grand conspiracy, what i what I think, because you've all heard my sticks, right, about different scenarios and things. And actually, before I get to the conspiracy, let me talk about a couple scenarios because a lot of people have been saying, "Hey, what about this scenario? What about that scenario? Um, who's getting in and what? But there was a scenario floating around on on Twitter. And I think it's very interesting. It's one that I've kind of brought up before, and it's I think everybody gets the answer to this question wrong. So let's say Oklahoma goes 13 and 0, Big 12 champion. Cincinnati's 13 and 0. Ohio State is a 12 and 1 Big Ten champion. Alabama is a 12 and 1 Big Ten champion. Georgia finishes 12 and 1, losing the SEC championship game. And Oregon finishes twelve and one as a Pac-12 champion. Who are the two teams that are left out in that scenario? For me, Cincinnati obviously is the team that gets left out because, like I said, in those scenarios, all those one-loss teams deserve it more than any Group of Five school. I don't. The, yes, the winner of Notre Dame is impressive, but all those teams would have done things over the course of a season that are more impressive than one win over Notre Dame. And I do think the win over Notre Dame matters a lot and is very impressive for Cincinnati. But going 12-1 and in a Power 5 conference, I don't care if it's the ACC or the Pac-12 or if that conference is slightly down, that is very impressive because it's hard to win in college football at the Division One level in these Power 5 conferences. It's hard to do it, and I would reward teams for doing that even with one loss than I would an undefeated group of five team okay that's just the way it is but here's the other thing who's the obvious lock in that scenario in that scenario there was only one undefeated team i gave oklahoma so they would have to be a lock right there was no way florida state was getting left out in 2014 even though they weren't playing as good as tcu baylor right the the two big 12 teams that people thought one of them should have gone didn't happen didn't happen right so oklahoma undefeated they would be in there's no way the committee could leave out an undefeated oklahoma team it's just it couldn't happen there's no way it could happen okay obviously the sec champion if they're one loss or less they're going whether you like that or not that is obvious right alabama has to go in that scenario 12-1 and SEC champion is a lock because when it comes down to one loss conference champions and now you have to start evaluating them and let's say one of them has to get left out, well, we all know the SEC is getting that first nod, right? They are going to most likely that SEC team is going to have the best strength schedule and whatnot, okay? Then you've got to go with the Big Ten champion. And if it's Ohio State in this case, well, guess what? Ohio State goes, but guess what? You cannot take Ohio State as 12 and one conference champion, without bringing Oregon with them, Oregon would be a 12 and one conference champion. So guess who gets left out? It's Georgia, and I don't know why that's such a controversial thing to say right now, right? I'm if you when you saw this on Twitter or on Instagram, like 24/7 Sports put it out, Mister Ohio, big guy on Twitter, Ohio State guy, put it out, and you read the comments, and people are saying Cincinnati and Oklahoma out. Like, people are literally saying that undefeated 13-0 Big 12 champion Oklahoma is out in that scenario, and way too many people are saying that Alabama and Georgia are the two locks then probably Ohio State, and they're wondering if Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Oregon. Guys, that doesn't make sense, okay? And like I've said, we've seen the committee put teams in certain spots because as of right now, this is where they are. Oh, bam, then conference championship games get played, and you flip-flop a bunch of teams. Well, now that that's happened, and we've updated the now to a more new thing, they really value conference champions, and they really value head-to-head. One thing I did agree with these rankings is the head-to-head thing, which is, and when and I'm not just talking the Ohio State-Oregon thing, which is the biggest head-to-head, but when you were at the bottom, right, you make your way up. So, Iowa and Wisconsin are number 22 and 21. Iowa is 6 and 2. But Wisconsin is ranked ahead of them at 5 and 3 because Wisconsin beat Iowa and they beat Iowa good, right? Now in that case, I don't I don't know if you have to honor head-to-head when the records aren't aren't the same. That because I mean, look at any sports in the NFL, record is more important and head-to-head is only used as a tiebreaker. I I kind of like that model better college football is a little different right because of this crazy structure that we're in but that's kind of how they have it right another example of the exact same thing is kentucky being 18 at six and two mississippi state being 17 at five and three that one i actually agree with more you know i mean i don't have a problem with either of them but but that that i agree with right um and as you saw those being revealed it was like okay well in that case I'm sure Ohio State's going to be ahead of Oregon because they have the same record and there's a head-to-head matchup, right? But, I mean, the committee didn't have Texas A&M anywhere near Alabama. So that's the one inconsistency, right? I'm kind of just now noticing that or noticing that from this angle, right? You had Wisconsin, five and three, one spot above Iowa because of head-to-head even though they have a worse record than Iowa. Mississippi State, 5-3. and three. Above Kentucky because they beat them head-to-head in Kentucky 6-2. and two. And trust me, I'm not trying to make an argument Texas A&M should be way up in the top five or anything like that. And I don't even think that they should be ahead of Alabama with the head-to-head because they have an extra loss. But it is an inconsistency you're seeing from the committee. And that's the crappy thing about this committee. There's always some weird flaw in their logic you can point out and i'm literally live as i'm speaking to you i'm noticing one right here so texas a&m is six and two alabama seven and one and you've got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve spots between them so the head-to-head there didn't matter at all literally at all right where it did matter again though was baylor and oklahoma state they're both seven and one and baylor's at 12 and oklahoma state's at 11 which makes sense to me. They're both 7 and 1 teams. I would have both of them up there in that top 12. And again, it's another one where it doesn't matter that you know if they if those two teams went out, they would rematch each other in a conference championship game. That would be wild, right? So y- y- you have got a lot of interesting stuff happening here, right? Michigan 7 and 1. Obviously Michigan State 8-0, beat them, they're ahead. But I don't know, just if you look at Ohio State you look at Oklahoma, again, there's, in Alabama, there's clearly so much of this eye test crap going on, which I'm not a fan of. I've explained it many times, all the different years, even going back to the BCS system, even some years before the BCS system, where the eye test came back to bite people. You can't rely on it, Right? I mean, honestly, the Georgia being the clear-cut number one is also kind of an eye-test thing. I agree with them being number one. But the way they talk about Georgia, like they're just in this other stratosphere, that's all just eye test and watching them play, which, again, eye-test is a fine-for-a-tiebreaker thing for me. And there's no controversy there, because Georgia should be number one. But, I mean, I don't like this eye-test thing, because look at Alabama. Look at Ohio State, look at Oregon, look at Michigan State. Michigan State has a better win than Alabama, and no losses. Alabama lost to Texas A&M, who's down there at 14, and their best win is to Ole Miss, who's down there at 16. That's a good win. Any win in the top 25 is good, right? Any win over a team with a winning record in college football is good, and Alabama does have a lot of those. I will give them credit for that. But at the same time, if you're just going off of biggest win, biggest loss, Oregon has a way bigger win than Alabama. Oregon has beaten the team that the committee has at number five. Georgia doesn't have that. Georgia's biggest win, as of right now, is over, I guess, 13, Auburn, and 18, Kentucky. Two great wins. Not taking anything. Those are great wins. But... Oregon has a win better than that. I guess Oregon has a loss worse than most of these teams have. It's because some of them have no losses, right? Oklahoma State's loss. Iowa State, that's a little bit better than Stanford, I I think. But it's kind of similar. Baylor losing to Oklahoma State, that's a good loss, right? Losing to a team in the top, top 11. Michigan has only lost to the team... That the committee has up there at number three. And then if you get to Ohio State, yeah, their loss is good. They lost to who's currently number four. But who's Ohio State's best win? Their best win right now has to be Penn State, who's not ranked. Not ranked Penn State. So, again, just flaw in the logic. I don't like a team being number two when really the only argument for them being number two is they're Alabama, and I just, and we, I think they're better, which is not something I disagree with, that statement. I think Alabama is probably better than Michigan State, probably better than Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. I agree with that. I would probably bet them against those. So it's not that I'm disagreeing, right? Because some people are like, oh, so you think Oklahoma's better than Alabama? No, I don't. But I think sports have somewhat of a structured thing and you play games for a reason, right? If if it's all just about who has the best players and best coach and who's better, then, like, why would we even have a season? Like, just give Alabama the championship literally every year because they have the best players and the best coaches every year, even in the years where they mess up, right? I mean, at what point do you draw the line? I guess, in the past, Alabama has to lose twice before we'll draw that line. Then it's like, okay. Well, guess what? In 20, what was it? 2019 when Alabama lost to Auburn, that was their second loss after the LSU game and that kind of knocked them out of the playoff. I still think Alabama was just as good as Clemson that year, as Ohio State that year. But guess what? They didn't make the playoff cuz finally they were like, you know, you know, at a certain point they're like, "Hey, you know, we got to put deserving teams in." So it is this giant combination of who, who's most deserving slash best teams, and that's why I'm telling you, the committee will always put an undefeated Power 5 team in. Now, let me finally get into the conspiracy part, and I'll get out of your guys' hair, let you all think about it. When it comes to this conspiracy, forget everything I just said about what the committee has to do and what they will do. If college football was normal, and there wasn't a lot of politics and money involved on the back end with TV deals and conference expansion, these crazy topics that we talked about the offseason. If that wasn't on the table right now, then everything I've ever preached to you about the way the committee is really structured, right, would be true. And I firmly believe that, like that scenario we just talked about where Georgia loses the SEC championship game, they would be out in that scenario if what I'm about to tell you wasn't true. But the reality is, is we do live in a world, when it relates to college football, with some things going on behind the scenes, right? College football playoff expansion talks, the conferences that want that, the conferences that don't, okay? SEC wants that. ESPN also wants that, okay? And if you follow the college football playoff expansion talks, what you're hearing is, the SEC is kind of out there saying we're good with four or we're good with 12, but they don't want eight, even though that's clearly the best scenario for college football as a whole would be an 18 playoff where you have the New Year's six games be your playoff, right? You play four of those games on New Year's Day. Nobody gets a buy, right? it's It's those four games. And then you play the semifinals a week later and then the championship game. That would be the best format. Everybody knows it. A 12-team format, I know there's a lot of fans of the 12-team format, but college football is weird to me. If You're giving teams buys, and then you're going to have home games on campus. I'm all about campus games, just not in the postseason. Give us more regular season matchups between Power 5 schools on campus and get rid of kickoff games and neutral site games. And then when it comes to the postseason, you should go straight to a bowl after the conference championship game. The idea that after a conference championship week, you're going to have games on campus be playoff games, which also means that you could potentially go to, like, a Fiesta Bowl after playing in a playoff game. That's weird to me. So I'm not a fan of the 12-team format. I'm also not a fan of the 12-team format for the same reason that I think the Alliance isn't in some of these other conferences, and that is with what is happening with the Big 12 going forward, the 12-team format they proposed gave automatic berths to the six highest-ranked conference champions because what they were basically saying is that, hey, the Big 12 is a Power 5 conference. We had a Power 5, and then one of the Group of 5 conferences is getting an automatic bid. Their highest champion's going to go. But as I've talked about in my conference expansion episodes, The Big 12 is not going to be a power conference in a couple years when Oklahoma and Texas leave. I don't care who they added, right? I've been over this before. Go listen to some of my other episodes to really, you know, get the dialed-in definition of this. But they are not. So if I'm the alliance and the SEC, I'm not moving to a format where you essentially have two G5 school automatic bids, right? Once this weird stuff shakes out the... Big Twelve, we're essentially moving to a Power Four. Okay, so a ima- mat like no, nobody wants that. If I'm those conferences, I'm not letting that happen. But the SEC will will live with it because six spots means six at large spots, and the SEC I think wrongfully is assuming they're going to get three to four of those at large spots, even though that's not true. When I talked about expansion in my episode earlier in the year i went through the all the years of the college football playoff and there was only a couple of times the sec was even going to get three teams in a 12 team format there was a lot of times where they only got one right so it was actually kind of surprising to go back and again like i said go listen to my college football playoff expansion episode from the beginning of the season where I I walk through all of the seasons from 2014 to now and really break down who the top 12 would have been under that format and vice versa. So I think that's kind of important here. But regardless of what's true, the SEC thinks that 12 is going to be very good for it. When I actually think that whether it's 8 or 12, you're not going to see that many difference. I mean, look at the top 12 right now, guys. You got Georgia and Alabama, and then that's it. They're the only two SEC teams in the current top 12. So that's, that's just the w- the way it is. Um. So when you consider what I was saying about the Big 12 going forward and how they're basically not going to be a power conference, if you allow six auto bids to conference champions, you're essentially having two group of five champions get in. So that's why I think the expansion talks do need to be delayed, and I've talked about that. And that's created a real problem because the SEC, even though they act like they're fine with four, they really want it to go to 12, and they want it to go to 12 soon. Because, yeah, they know that sometimes with four, they get two teams in, but with 12, they would almost be guaranteed at least two teams in. And like I said, in their mind, they think three, four, maybe five of their teams can get in with the 12-team the playoff. So they don't give a damn about the whole, oh, thing I said about the Big 12. It's the other conferences that I think should have some pride and do that. But, and thank God for the Alliance and the fact that they're kind of against this, the playoff expansion talks are being delayed because they can't come to an agreement on this. Now, here's the conspiracy part. Sorry, it's been a long buildup to this, but here's what I think. And this is literally why I think Alabama is number two right now, and you you can't convince me otherwise. Alabama being two right now gives them a better excuse to put both SEC teams in should Alabama win out, right? If Alabama was down, I mean, I think they might do it anyway because of this conspiracy. But if Alabama was, you know, number nine and was working their way up and they beat Georgia, they might replace Alabama with Georgia. But the fact that Alabama's number two right now and if Alabama keeps winning, they're going to stay number two. Now we get to talk about Alabama and Georgia being the two best teams already, right? Instead of waiting until that conference championship week to have this one versus two debate or, oh, we know if Alabama wins, they're taking Georgia's spot. We can have the game of the century talk right now. And the more we hype up that game as this game of the century, the more the committee is going to feel totally fine putting both SEC teams in. So, I know I just went through that whole thing about Georgia would have to be out in that scenario, and I think if all things were normal, Georgia would be out in that scenario. If everything was no bias, there was no none of this behind-the-scenes conspiracy stuff, but I do think there is legit behind-the-scenes conspiracy stuff right now, and the SEC knows that what's going to piss off the Alliance and these other conferences and make them stop with their hold out, I guess you would call it, with the 12-team expansion and just say, yeah, 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 okay, screw it, we lost, we to 12, would be if two SEC teams got in again this year. That type of statement, because imagine, if Georgia and Alabama are in together, two conferences are getting screwed, right? The ACC could be panicking because if how long is Clemson going to be down? Are, I mean, is Clemson going to come back to being a national contender next year? If they don't, Florida State's still a couple years away. Miami's not where you need them to be. Virginia Tech's not where you need them to be. Pitt, NC State, just are not going to be talented enough rosters to get through an entire season with only one loss and win a conference championship. ACC could be panicking. Pac-12's always been in panic mode because they've only gotten two teams in the college football playoff, right? And even the Big Ten depending on what happens, might be, okay, well, we're starting to see the light where look at all these teams we've got ranked. And I think that's also part of it too. Why is Minnesota ranked, Wisconsin, Iowa, all of these big 10 teams are ranked because they want the big 10 to start to look at the expansion the way the SEC does. Like, wow, we're going to get all these teams in. So screw the idea of, okay, whatever, we'll let the Big 12 keep their auto-bid, because that's the only team they'll get in, and us in the SEC are gonna fill all the out-large spots, even though I really don't think that's true necessarily. Again, you gotta go listen to that episode I did about the College Football Expansion talk where I broke that down because you'd be surprised how many years there was not gonna be as many SEC teams as people thought. There was actually more years where the Big Ten took three or four spots, but even then Didn't get as many spots as you thought. It was a lot more spread out. In most of those years, almost every conference was going to get two teams in. So again, I think that is what's going on behind the scenes. I really do. I think that it is going to greatly benefit ESPN and the SEC, which are basically the same entity at this point, sorry to say it, if they can have a scenario where two SEC teams get in this year. Which is why I think it would be hilarious and awesome if we ended up with a scenario where no SEC teams got in this year. And that is possible. Now the number one thing that would help this happen is if Georgia could lose sometime before Atlanta. It's not likely, right? They've already got through Florida, boat raced them, but I don't know, if Tennessee could pull a miracle, that's maybe the last sort of chance, right, if I bring up Georgia's schedule, all they have left is, yeah, Tennessee Tennessee's the only, I mean, Missouri could never do it, they're at Tennessee, then they play, who is this, G- CHSO, some terrible team that should never be on a Division 1 Power 5 schedule, but I've had that debate many times, whatever, and then they're at Georgia Tech, which I just, that can't, they're not going to be able to do that. So let's say for some reason they lost Tennessee, but that's probably not going to happen, so they're probably going to the championship game undefeated. Now, if they lose the championship game, not to number two Alabama, oh, this game of the century situation, but let's say Bama loses again, and a 10-2 team plays Georgia, like Texas A&M or Auburn, and they beat Georgia, now you're like, okay, maybe both of them are out because, again, a two-loss team is not jumping any one-loss team unless the committee wants to totally lose all their credibility because they've had the opportunity to put a good two-loss conference champion in multiple times, right? Penn State in 2016, they didn't do it. They went with the one-loss team that didn't even win their, their conference champion. They did that, right? And then Again, the next year when Alabama got in over a two-loss Ohio State Big Ten champion that was playing really well, but the two losses, Alabama didn't even play in their conference championship game, 11-1, and they got in. So I think the committees put themselves in a spot there throughout history where they couldn't just, oh, now because it's the SEC, yeah, Auburn 11-2 is going. I mean, that could happen. A two-loss team could make it, but you'd have to have other two-loss teams, right? Oregon would have to lose again and be a two-loss champion. Then, of course, a two-loss SEC champion could, be, could jump them right maybe the big 10 eats itself maybe maybe the B- big 12 starts to eat itself a little bit but in that scenario right i mean i would think even 11 and 1 Notre Dame would have a claim i mean we've seen 11 and 1 teams make the playoff over two loss conference champions so yeah and then Georgia i don't know if you could keep them in if a two loss team is the team that knocked them out and then Georgia falls to 12 and 1 if you've got other on 13 and 0 and other 12 and 1 champions they might all have to be ahead of Georgia. Obviously, the scenario really helps if Georgia has a loss going in, because then if a 10-2 and two team beats a one-loss Georgia team, every SEC team has two losses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a playoff without an SEC team? Again, I'm not an SEC hater at all. I love the SEC. I love watching SEC football as much as any other conference, but I don't always agree with this benefited out that they get. And I don't think they deserve to get more. I de- I think they deserve to win a lot of tiebreakers, but I don't think they deserve to jump teams with a worse record a lot. And I don't think they deserve to get two teams in the playoff in this scenario, right? I didn't have a problem with it in 2017. The way records fell and the precedent that had been set the year before, I was fine with that, okay? But I would not be okay and I don't think really any college football fans are really okay with the idea that a 12-1 and Georgia team that didn't win their conference champion would still end up making the playoff over potentially 13-0 Oklahoma, 12-1 and Oregon Pac-12 champion. I mean, that's just something about that doesn't feel right. And it doesn't matter that Georgia might on paper be better than that team. That's just not how sports should work. But again, that's my conspiracy theory. So please let me know what you think about that. And am I being crazy? Am I stupid? Are you seeing that same thing? What do you think is going on? Okay, email me, letstalkcollegefootball at gmail.com. Hit me up on my the Instagram account I made, the curator account, College Football Classics is the Instagram. Remember, it's not necessarily related to the show. It's just an Instagram page where we upload old games and relive moments, okay? But you can DM me on there. Twitter, at Michael underscore K87, right? Reach out. Um, And obviously, you can listen to this on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. But that's my take on these first playoff rankings. We'll see what happens, right? The funnest thing ever to do is overreact. um, But let's see what happens down the stretch. It's really exciting that I think you got at least 12, maybe 13, 14 teams that are all somewhat alive, right? And... A good number of them, at least eight or nine of them, control their own destiny, right? Notre Dame, Cincinnati aren't controlling their own destiny, I don't think. Everyone else in the top 12 definitely is. You know, you maybe got Auburn, Texas a with outside shots as two lost teams. So it's super exciting. The, the season, there's the potential for a lot of craziness to happen. And I'm going to keep rooting for Wake Forest because if they go undefeated, that's going to shake things up even more. So anyway, that's all I have. Again, please reach out to me. Let me know what you think. I'm super curious to hear your thoughts on my thoughts. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later.